0: Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Stephen Sashen and he's the
1: founder of Zero Shoes. How are you this morning, Stephen? I'm doing okay. Um, My hesitance is that it's Monday morning right now, and I have no idea what time it is, so my brain is in Monday morning mode, but otherwise good. (laughs) Exactly, all of us are in that Monday morning mode, even if it's not Monday morning. Exactly. Uh, Any morning feels like a Monday morning sometimes. Sometimes every morning feels like a Monday morning. Exactly. exactly Yeah.
0: Sometimes it it lingers on all day. Well, Stephen, (laughs) kick us off with the why. Why did you start Zero Shoes?
1: Oh, boy. Um, The how is different than the why. The why is that I discovered, um, and it's not like it was a discovery of mine, I was introduced to this phenomenon, that it's going to sound crazy, that using your body the way it's designed to be used is better than interfering with that. And what that means when it comes to footwear is that if you let your feet bend and move and flex, which is what they're designed to do, you have a quarter of the bones and joints of your whole body in your feet and ankles, and that's for balance, agility, and mobility. So if you let them bend and move and flex, that's good. Uh, immobilizing them is bad. In other words, use it or lose it. Or as I like to say, uh, regular shoes, which we affectionately call foot coffins, are, are exactly that. And natural movement shoes, shoes that let that bending and moving and flexing happen, can build intrinsic foot muscle strength, and make you uh, just a better, better whatever you do, whether it's walking, running, hiking, yoga, CrossFit, you name it. But the second thing, Is that there's also a reason you have more nerve endings in the soles of your feet than anywhere but your fingertips and your lips. And that's so that your brain knows what's going on at the bottom of your body so that it can effectively and enjoyably move your body in ways that are effective and enjoyable. And so you put those two things together. And that was really the why of starting Zero Shoes was to give people this experience of natural movement, where your toes aren't squeezed together. I mean, let me. Here's a weird thing to think about. If I asked you to drop and do push-ups, would you squeeze your fingers together or would you spread them apart? This is not a trick question.
0: I probably, I probably spread them apart for balance.
1: Yeah, balance, and it's also better for force production. Well, it's a similar thing with your foot. If you squeeze your toes together, which is what most shoes do with pointy toe boxes, it interferes with your ability to generate power. And so that's the second thing about natural movement footwear, or third thing, is they let your toes spread. They're low to the ground for balance and agility. They don't elevate your heel, which messes with your posture. They're crazy flexible to let all those bones and joints do what they're supposed to do, which is support you and let you apply force into the ground um, and also protect you because your foot's arch is your first line of force here, I'm going to pretend I'm taking the SATs, force amelioration. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, your arches are designed to uh, be the first place where you actually absorb force effectively. Like here's uh, another interesting thing to think about. If you put a phone book on the ground for anyone who remembers what a phone book is and pretend we're using like the LA phone book or the New York phone book, and it's about four inches thick, When you're running, the amount of vertical oscillation you have, the amount you bounce is about four inches if you're running well, sometimes a little bit less, but about that's good. If you just step off that phone book and land on one foot and look at how you land, you'll notice two things. You're landing with your foot basically under your center of mass, under your body, because otherwise you'd fall. And you also land on the ball of your foot and then let your heel come down. That's the way you're supposed to run. And regular shoes don't let you do that. So the why is uh, actually, I could have summed it up with something even simpler that my wife, who is my co-founder and president of the company says, which is, look, there's another, enough shoe companies in the world. You don't need another one. Unless your shoes change people's lives. And even before we started Zero Shoes as a company, when we were just, I was just making sandals for people as a hobby, We were seeing people's lives change, my wife's and mine as well. And now that we've started the company, we hear that all day, every day from hundreds of thousands of people about how letting your feet do what's natural can be a life-changing thing. Again, whether you run, walk, hike, uh, or just using, if you're using quote normal shoes for other things, for active recovery, natural movement's important. Um, There's other situations that are amazing. We had a a customer who said wearing our shoes is like having a whole new sense, which is important because he was blind. And so that was a fun one. Uh, we've heard that from parents who have kids with ADD and ADHD and autism that the stimulation they get from our shoes where our, our soles give you a combination of protection, traction, but also that ground feeling that your brain needs to control your body. That's been helpful for them. I'm not going to try and make medical claims. i just trying to report a couple of testimonials um, and, uh, and professional athletes who say they're performing better than they ever have. Even in situations where you wouldn't think it's relevant like we have professional hockey players who say they're skating better than they have before because when they get out of their immobilizing skates they're using their feet again they're getting that active recovery they're building or maintaining foot strength and so uh, so all of that there was the why of how it started and the why of how it's continued and i guess the last thing i can say about that is Um, for the continuation part is we're just helping people rediscover that natural movement, doing what your body's made to do is the better, obvious, healthier choice. The same way we currently think about natural food. Makes sense. And when did this business start? Oh my 12 years ago tomorrow. Oh geez. I got to go buy some pain. Yeah, Swear to God.
0: 12 years ago tomorrow. Congratulations.
1: Thanks. So walk me through, uh,
0: I guess some of the challenges of of owning a shoe company. I mean, the first (laughs) thing that comes to mind is inventory. You know, because you look at. I mean, if you look at, I'm going to start my own company. It's like, okay, I'm against Reebok, I'm against Adidas, I'm against uh, Under Armour, I'm against all these other giants that spend a zillion dollars in advertising. How do you even like take away any market share when they're blasting Under Armour is another one. When they're blasting these kids and TV commercials all the time, uh, how do you make a dent? And you have to deal with inventory of different colors and different sizes.
1: Yeah, well, let's start on the advertising side. So in short, there's always ways of getting to the people who are amenable to what you're doing, who are interested in what you're doing, that do not involve spending billions of dollars on sort of broad swath, you know, shotgun-style advertising. In fact, that kind of advertising, which most people refer to as branding, just stuff to get your name out there. I call branding advertising for people who don't under the balls for tracking. So the thing you want to do is just be really on top of how effective what you're doing is. And if it's not working, try to change it to see if you can make it work or cut bait as quickly as you can so you don't lose money. You can't control the upside, but you can control your risk. And so risk mitigation is a huge part of um, being being nimble and being effective. But the other part is simple. Thanks to the magic of the inner tube, um, you can get in touch with people in And get involved in conversations with them in ways you never could before. So the simplest thing you can do is literally just find out where people are already having conversations about what you're doing or planning on doing and get involved in the conversation. And I don't mean, I literally mean don't sell, just get involved. And ideally, more importantly, offer value. So when we started the company, I made videos showing, when we started 12 years ago, we had a do-it-yourself sandal making kit. That's all we had, in fact, for like three and a half, four years, actually, maybe even a little longer. Um, Suffice it to say, what I did to add value into these conversations, I made videos showing how to make... A pair of sandals, the way humans have been doing it for ten thousand years, um, and it was also just kind of clear that if you bought the materials from us, it would be easier and less expensive. But I was telling people, here's how you can replicate my entire business model. And I, I even met guys years later who said, you know, I made shoes based on your design idea and your videos. I never bought anything from you. I feel kind of guilty. I went, no, that's why I did it. I want to be helpful. And then of course, you know, people feel guilty and then they buy things. Um, sometimes they just get inspired. They don't always have to feel. Guilty, but the point is, <laughs> offer something of value to to in a place where people are already having that conversation, and the the ability to do that has just grown in the last twelve years. At first, it was a little harder and a little more time consuming because literally the only thing you could do was get in forums or get on blo- well trafficked blogs and participate in a conversation. The kind of advertising, targeted advertising that you can do now, didn't exist then. Um, so there's other things you could do then creating, again, a lot of content, uh, doing organic SEO. Um, just, there's always a way to find your audience. And since what we were doing was bucking the status quo was basically saying that what the big shoe companies have been doing is demonstrably bad for you. And here's something that's, uh, demonstrably good for you. That's, that was another piece of the puzzle. So to your other point about the challenges of dealing with the big companies, um, Two things. One, there's some guys who we met very early on about the seven month mark, who sat down with us at our dining room table, aka conference room table, and said, we believe in you and Lena and we believe in natural movement. We've been in footwear for 35 years. Uh, and this is the most important thing that, you, that anyone could be doing and you're the only one doing it. So we would love to start this company with you. Except we've been in footwear so long, they said, that we're not stupid enough to try and start a shoe company. <laughs> and we said, well, you know, we know we're just hyper optimistic and naive. So that's the way things get started and away we go. And they, they said a few things to us that we found shocking. Like they were consulting for, for footwear companies and they said that their monthly FedEx bill was $5,000 just shipping samples around and um, getting products made, just going back and forth and back and forth. And we thought that was insane. And now I would do anything for a $5,000 a month FedEx bill. Um, the cost of just dealing with every piece of the footwear manufacturing puzzle is uh, crazy expensive and super, super difficult. The making things is hard, making footwear unbelievably hard. A, from just the technical part of it. There's human beings who make these things, always going to be like that if you're not just injection molding. And even then there's still human beings involved in some ways. Uh, And just making shoes is hard. There's a lot of components and everything's got to work together. And for us even more, because we're not making things the way quote normal shoes are being made, it takes us years to train a factory to be able to work the way we need them to work. Um, Quick story, in fact, when we designed our Feel True Rubber outsoles, we went to a very big deal manufacturer and said, here's the specs that we want for this sole. And he says, well, but that's not the way they make running shoe soles." We went, yeah, I know. That's why we're doing it this way. So like, unlike uh, regular running shoes, which they say you need to replace every three to 500 miles because the soles wear out. Ours have a 5,000 mile sole warranty. They're flexible, they're lightweight, they're durable. Um, and no one had done things like that before. And last but not least, um, To your point, the inventory is uh, just a bear. And we're moving into an almost 90,000 square foot warehouse next month, and there's a high probability it will be too small for us within a year. So dealing with, just as you said, all the styles, all the colors, all the sizes. Oh, which by the way, another challenge with footwear is the difference in foot sizes and shapes is huge. And of course, everyone thinks they're normal. And uh, that crosses uh, other, other challenges when someone who has a foot that's basically square is complaining that you know your shoes don't fit their foot, despite the fact that they've never found a shoe that fits their foot. Um, and th- people say things like, well, I'm a true size nine. And I say, oh, do you have any eight and a half? They go, yeah. I go, How have any nine and a half? So they go, yeah. I go, yeah, then you're not a true size nine. You're someone who wears a nine in some products that you like more than others. But um, no one has figured out how to do sizing Perfectly in large part because it's primarily about personal preference more than anything at more than geometry. So yeah, dealing with both the difficulty of manufacturing and development um, and the, the challenge of that and then the inventory side as a marketing person. Uh, yeah, this is a really tough road to hoe.
0: Yeah, plus you have the wides and the, and the narrows on top of the actual size nines.
1: Well, we don't do that because we make our shoes with a wider foot-shaped toe box to begin with. So our shoes are wider than normal by okay. a significant amount. But even with that, um, footwear, if you do think about foot width, it lives on a bell curve. People with really wide feet on one end and really narrow feet on the other. We cover more of that bell curve than other brands, but there's always people on the outside edge. And the challenge, of course, is that we are not big enough to justify doing those outlier widths yet. Uh, and and because again, if we do that, if we were just going to make a wider or narrower version of our existing shoes, we would need double the warehouse space overnight. And that's and it would cost millions of dollars to pull that off. So um, we try to cover as, handle as many people as we can in underneath that bell curve, knowing that there's going to be people on the edges that at some point we would love to be able to accommodate but we're not there yet
0: sure Um, walk me through the different types of shoes that are zero shoes
1: Um, we have casual and performance shoes boots and sandals that people use for everything from taking a walk to running hundred mile ultra marathons to just chilling out with friends so we have casual sandals sport sandals Um, People have hiked the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, the Camino del Santiago uh, in our sandals and also in our uh, casual shoes, even though we have performance shoes that are designed specifically for that. So we have trail running shoes, trail hiking boots. Uh, We have casual boots and shoes. We have women's dress shoes, some dress flats. Um, I'm looking around, we have a fully waterproof snow boot. We have uh, some high performance running shoes. I'm literally looking at the wall behind me to remind myself we got about 30 different styles and I don't keep them all in my head. Um, oh, we have a really cool water shoe where it's it's a trail and water shoe. So if you're hiking or running on trails where you might be stepping in water or it's good for things like obstacle horse races or um, um, what's the um, Spartan races, it's really fun. If you step in water in this shoe, it's called the Aqua X Sport. And you step out of the water, the water doesn't drain out of the shoe. It flies out of the shoe. It's super, super fun. Um, and we have some fully waterproof things like our snow boot, uh, water fully waterproof hiking boot, et cetera. So I could kind of keep going down that road for quite a while since we have over 30 styles now. Wow.
0: Uh, anything that's for uh, dress shoes? Because I consider, at least for men, dress shoes being the most uncomfortable type of shoe that men can wear. Anything yeah, in making progress for his dress shoes?
1: or any interest in dress shoes in the future? We have, we have a couple of shoes that are not quite dress shoes per se in that they're not shiny leather. Um, but we have some things that people wear as dress shoes. We've got a bunch of trial lawyers who wear a couple of our products. Uh, when they're there, we have like a leather, a black leather slip-on kind of shoe uh, okay. that um, works for that. We also have a leather Oxford style shoe called the Alston that people have worn. Uh, um, in dress situations as well, but it's a little different than a typical dress shoe. And so we're looking at how we can make something that works in that regard, but still maintains our Zero Shoes DNA.
0: Right. Makes sense. That's exciting. I mean, congratulations on Thanks. all you've accomplished over the last 12 years, because like you said, it's a very much an uphill battle and a lot of people don't want to get in the shoe business because it's such a, a challenging business to be in.
1: Oh, and, uh, you know, the, the barrier to entry is super, super high, which is good news and bad news. I mean, good news is it keeps keeps a lot of people out. Bad news is it's super, super high. And, and frankly, <laughs> remains that way kind of consistently. It's not like it ever gets easier slash better. It's, a, it's right. a very, very challenging business.
0: Makes sense. So along the last 12 years, I'm sure you've run into some challenges here and there, and I'm sure you run into challenges daily just as a business owner. Yeah, If you can recall a mistake you've made, and most importantly for our listeners, what did you learn from that mistake? Maybe as you grew, maybe as you scaled, maybe as you you brought on new types of shoes, didn't work out. Um, Share with us something that you you did, but you learned from it afterwards.
1: Well, again, we were new to the footwear industry, and so our naivete... Uh, was a big chunk of the, let's call it the mistakes that we made. The biggest one being that we, again, when we started, we were a do-it-yourself sandal making kit company. And what we thought our business model was going to be is that we would offer these um, foot scanning kiosks to anybody who wanted one, anyone who had a retail establishment. And people would stand on it, get their foot scanned. That would send the information to us. And we would custom make a pair of sandals for them. And it was a brilliant idea until we discovered that the kiosk would cost us fifteen dollars to $20,000 each. And that was not going to work. So that was part one. And related to that, very early on, in fact, I got a Facebook memory uh, from little, just shy of 12 years ago, 11 years ago, that was when we went to our first trade show. And we thought we would have a more rapid acceptance into retail. We thought we'd have a wholesale business um, in addition to our direct-to-consumer online business. And we were wrong. <laughs> um, no one wanted a do-it-yourself sandal kit. They didn't understand it. It was very confusing to them. And then even when we uh, started making closed-toed shoes or ready to wear sandals, people just, they, we thought that they'd be accepting of the product. And I guess the the biggest lesson I learned, and it took me a year to learn it, I met with a guy who was the senior buyer for a major department store. And he was asking me some questions about the company. And I didn't realize until a year later when I was revisiting this conversation in my mind, he didn't care about the products. He wanted to make sure that if he was, and actually I take it back. He loved the products, but he wasn't going to invest in buying the products unless he was confident that the company was going to survive. And we were at a point where it was never iffy for us. But we were a small company then. I think we are having this conversation. We are maybe, maybe $2 million in sales. And for a footwear company, that's non-existent. I mean, we're we're way, way bigger than that, but still non-existent in many people's minds. Uh, And we're at the end of this year, when people see how we've done this year, that will permanently change. But, um, so we were just really, the mistakes were all based on the naivete around the acceptance we would get in a broader market uh, I guess we were extrapolating from just the response we were getting from our customers, where we were growing like crazy, and the response, like I said, was people talking about how we had changed their lives, but that didn't translate into retail the way we thought it would.
0: Makes sense. And retail is tough anyway because you're getting half the margin, and well, know, it also takes education. So obviously, launch a new shoe—that's great, but now you're relying on the store that's in you know yes small and no. town Ohio. To educate the consumer, which they don't want to have to educate the consumer, they want what size you need. Okay, here are the shoes.
1: Well, you, you know,
0: know. That, that educate customers about the about the shoe is always another challenge that they don't want to deal with in a lot of cases. So you have to find the sure. right owners and the right stores, the right cities, and
1: well, yeah, you're you're oh, absolutely adds to your Yeah, you're right-ish. And the ish, um, the reason that I say ish. Is that zero shoes are so radically different, uh, mostly in the way they feel when you put them on, that it's not just, you know, it's not variations on a theme. It's a completely different game. They look different on the shelf, um, which catches people's eye, and they feel different on your feet. If I had a dollar for every time someone put on a pair of zero shoes, shoes or sandals or boots, and said, oh my God, I can feel my toes are like spreading out, that feels great. And, It's like I'm not even wearing anything and I feel like my posture is better or I feel like I'm, you know, walking on rocks and I'm getting a foot massage. Things like that we hear all the time. And we saw that happening in retail organically. So in 2019, when REI took one of our sandals and just put it on the on the wall in, I think, 35 stores, um, the, it was selling out before many of the people in the store even knew they had the product because again it looked different it weighed one third as much as a similar sport sandal and they'd put it on their foot and just you know eyes pop out of their head. And we sold out of that in REI in record time. And that's continued to happen with our shoes. So on the one hand, the more education, the better. On the other hand, in a way they really sell themselves. So we just gotta make sure people know that they exist. And frankly, this is another advantage to being a digitally native company, when we get involved with a new retail partner, we drive traffic to them. We, we force the issue basically, because we have people will advertise and send people to those stores and people walk in asking about zero Shoes and then the store contacts us and it's like, all right, how do we answer these questions? Because that's what's coming up. And we have created an app that gives the answer to almost all those questions. So, um, so we don't just rely on the stores, we're partners with these people. And during COVID, we were one of the few people, in fact, maybe the only brand doing that with some major retailers. And they called us ecstatic and grateful. And they placed orders during COVID in ways that they weren't doing with bigger, like billion dollar brands.
0: That is a huge, huge uh, tip. I hope everyone's taking notes and listening to what Stephen's telling us. If you have an opportunity to get into a store, you better drive traffic to that store and that area around the store in order for you to ever have sell through. In order for to yeah. ever get another a purchase order from that store, if you don't make an effort to drive traffic and drive people, let people know the store now carries your shoe, you'll never see a, a sell-through, you'll never see a reorder. So that's a huge, huge tip that a lot of people don't realize. They go, oh, well, you know, I just sold a $1,000, $5,000, $100,000 to a store. That's great, I've arrived. Woohoo! Where, yeah. when's the party start? No, that's that's not even the beginning. You got the yeah. PA, you got the check, but now you got to get another check to come. And yeah. the key to that is get people in that area to know that that product's around and go check it out.
1: You know, in fact, um, when we first got into REI, I was planning on doing some geofencing advertising, which for people who don't know, you may have experienced it where it's possible if, you're, if you have a mobile device, uh, people can track where you are, and then they're selling the fact that you were in some or near some location, and it's possible to advertise to you as someone who's been in that location. In fact, um, I, I know about this technique. And the first time it happened to me, it freaked me out. Uh, my wife and I stopped at some store in Denver and I didn't even have my I didn't use my phone for anything it was in my pocket. That's it. And I got home and suddenly I'm getting ads for that store. It's like, oh, you guys. So um, it was very got entertaining. Me. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, so I was planning on doing a bunch of geofencing advertising to drive people into the store or to let them know that I know they were in the store and try to get them to come back and happily. Uh, everything was selling so well that I didn't need to do it. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be worth the, the time, effort, and money to, to pull that off. Um, that said, there's some new opportunities where that kind of advertising could be really valuable for us.
0: Congratulations. And that's great, a great tip. And yeah, everything you can do to promote the brand and get people to ask questions and go and ask the product, I think that's one of the biggest keys is that totally. you, know, you can be in 100 stores or 500 stores, but the more people walk into a store, whether it be an RI okay. or Dick Sporting Goods or whatever yeah. it may be and say, do you have zero shoes? Yeah. That is a huge opportunity for you. And that'll make your phone ring as a manufacturer more than yeah. anything else you can do.
1: Well, and here's a, here's one from a different universe that a friend of mine did that was brilliant. And I'll tell you my variation. Um, he was a self-published author and he would go to bookstores and just put his book on the shelf where it belonged. Um, and it had a, a um, an ISBN code. So, you know, when, when people would pick up the book and bring it to the, the counter to check out, they'd scan it and it, it would show up, but it wouldn't show up as something that they owned. And it would show up with the name of the publisher, this guy self-published, and he'd get phone calls from these stores saying, someone just tried to buy your book and it's somehow not in our system. And he would say, so how can we get it in your system? And they would then buy cases of books. So... My version of that is there's a book that came out, um, well, it got popular in 2009, 2010 called Born to Run, about the Tarumara Indians in Mexico and how they, uh, well, about a number of things, but including the Tarumara and how they run in sandals made out of scraps of tires strapped to their foot. And they won the uh, most difficult ultramarathon in, in the world, the Leadville 100. It's the highest ultramarathon. And um I took business cards or then made bookmarks. And every time I'd go by a bookstore, I'd go find copies of Born to Run and other books that were related to natural movement and just put my bookmark or business card uh, in those books. And then I eventually printed about 50,000 and sent them out to customers who were willing to do the same. So that was our version of um, just stocking the shelves.
0: It's a great idea. And it's creative and it's different. And that's what you have to do nowadays. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. You gotta think outside the box. And if someone's in your industry or someone has interest in the theme that you're discussing, why not tie them to you? I mean, it's a, it's a perfect connection. Yeah. I applaud you for uh, thinking outside the box. So well, that kind of leads me to my last question, which is a success story, which maybe you just told it. I don't know. Maybe there's another one you have. But share a success story. A lot of people listen to the show or entrepreneurs and business owners or think people thinking about starting their own business. And I think it's always great to share a success story because, to me, a success story is our fire that's our fuel to our why. And every time someone tells you, man, Stephen, these shoes are amazing. I was able to do this and this because of what you've done, uh, that gets me motivated if I run into a tough day, tough week, tough month, tough quarter. Yeah. So give me your success story. Give me an example of someone that touched your life, touched your heart, or maybe it was a huge PO from REI. Just give me a moment um, you felt, you know what, honey, we've made it and we've uh, made a big, we made it, we've made a, a big accomplishment here. We're not stopping, but at least we know we're on the right track now because of the success story.
1: Yeah, I don't think that way. And, uh, okay. People, well, and what I mean is people talk about what we've done and the, they use the word success a lot. I, I'm not there yet. I got too many things to do every day that that's not, and, and you know, if we, if this turned into a billion dollar company, I would stay the same thing because we're trying to do something simple. We're trying to change the world. We're helping people again, rediscover the value of natural movement and, um, in fact, someone said to me, what if the big shoe companies take your ideas? I went, good. That means we won. So I'm okay with that. There's so many little things all along the way that have been wonderful and amazing. We were on Shark Tank. We turned down a $400,000 offer, but it was really good for us. We did the most one of the most successful equity crowdfunding raises um, in the crowdfunding industry. In fact, we found out how to get direct investors from four states that said they wouldn't allow it. And then we taught the entire industry how to do that. We, um, we got a big bank loan, which sounds like a crazy thing to be happy about, but that was a big deal. We took on a private equity partner in a minority position a little under a year ago. Um, That was also really nice, but the, 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 and you know, we've grown the business. We've been on the Inc 5,000 list five years in a row and it would have been eight if I had known how to apply. Um, We have, the, the business is just growing, growing, growing but um, my vision is very big. And so all these little things along the way are nice, but uh, there's never a time where I feel like, hey, we made it.
0: Right. And again, I don't think the focus is we made it, but just say a a feeling of success to kind of Um, uh, reinforce why you started this to begin with. like, hey, we 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 finally got a PO from REI. We finally got Um, uh, onto Shark Tank. Those are, to me, they're tiny successes, it yeah. lead to bigger success down the road. I don't think you ever can say, I've arrived, because that means you're done. You're at the top of the mountain, there's nowhere to go.
1: Well, but over... I just think
0: sometimes you got to celebrate the small successes just to keep you going and get you through the tougher times uh, that you've yeah. experienced as a business owner.
1: Yeah, for me, again, it's a little different. I mean, all of those are really wonderful, and we do enjoy and appreciate all of those. But for me, I live in the gap between reality and the vision that I have for this brand. And that's all it takes for me to get out of bed in the morning. The rest of it is, um, is gravy, if you will. So I remember early on, uh, there's every, every couple of years, some researcher shows that if you vibrate someone's feet or ankles, it can be useful. Like It helps elderly people with balance and mobility. It helps Parkinson's patients with mobility, uh, things like that. And I wrote a blog post very early on saying, you don't need magic vibrating insoles. Just take off your shoes and go for a walk outside. And yeah. I got a, a letter and a photo from uh, an 82-year-old guy who said, I was looking for the magic vibrating insoles. Instead, I found your blog post and I couldn't find the insoles, so I put your theory to the test. And that was two weeks ago and I just threw away my walker. And that story is almost 12 years old and it really sticks with me because that was, I think, the first time where Lane and I looked at each other and went, oh, this is much bigger than we thought. And uh, and so those things are really nice, but literally what gets me out of bed is my massive to-do list and the vision for what this could become, and the fact that um, we don't have the resources to move as fast as I want, and I've learned that if we did move that fast, it would probably be stupid anyway. So <laughs> um, patience is not one of my virtues, and the 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 impatient thing of wanting to get things done uh, and trying to move things forward is just, that that's just enough for me.
0: Fantastic! You're obviously very knowledgeable in the shoe space, and the feet space, and the natural space, and it's an honor to have you on the show Uh, Uh, do me a favor as we wrap up let people know how they can find your product website social media handles sure any uh there's a place they can find retail stores that carry your products things like that
1: so we are at zero shoes.com and that's x-e-r-o shoes although if you accidentally or if your computer makes you type z-e-r-o it'll still get to us and on social media we're at or slash zero shoes wherever you at or slash and if you want to see the stores that are carrying our product you can just come to our website there's a store locator Uh, link on the upper right. We're also at zeroshoes.eu now. We just launched our European website, which is super exciting. And if you're in China, you can find us on uh, the various um, third-party platforms there as well. And keep in mind that um, uh, we're adding new stores almost every week, but we're not going to be... What you see now is what's going to be pretty much the same until mid-January when the new season starts to kick in and we have a lot of accounts that are coming on board uh, starting the beginning of the year.
0: I don't know off the top of your head. How many stores are you in? And what do you think your revenue will be for uh, 2021? It blows um,
1: away. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I don't have a good answer for the first one because I don't store it in my head. It's about 500 around the world, but I don't okay. know the exact number. And I, um, uh, because we did that equity crowdfunding raise, I'm not allowed to say anything that isn't already publicly disclosed through the SEC website. So okay. I can't tell you what we're going to do this year. I can tell you what we did last year. Sure. Last was, year's good, too. It's still going to so be the well,
0: impressive comparison of $2 million you talked about earlier.
1: Yeah. So last year it was 23.3 million. And let's just say uh, this year we're growing significantly, even despite supply chain issues where we were out of stock on some of our best sellers for four or five months.
0: And I wonder if the COVID actually helped you a little bit because people weren't going to work, they weren't doing the commute, and they spent more time at home and was able to go for walks in the morning and walks in the afternoon. Maybe yes. start, people started looking into ways to uh, enjoy the time outside uh, because they were working from home. So maybe the timing was good for you.
1: It was a little bit of both. On the one hand, you're absolutely right; that did happen and was a big boon for us. The flip side is we had millions of dollars of retail accounts that got canceled or retail orders that got canceled because the retailers were shutting down. So yeah. I don't know what it, you know what it would have looked like on balance if that hadn't happened. Uh, but suffice it to say, what we did see is that the people who did discover us during COVID uh, really, really are into what we're doing. And as things have moved forward time wise we don't know how they're moving forward COVID wise. Um, we've seen that those customers are really high quality. They really responded well to our product there. They got in, whether it was for hiking or running. Uh, and now they're trying all the rest of our products as well for the different activities that they engage in. And so that's um, that's made this year very exciting for us.
0: Excellent. Well, Stephen, you're an awesome guest. Yeah. Thank you oh, so much fun. for all you've done and your desire to change the world. You're one step away, <laughs> no pun intended. And, uh, I just, all I can do is say thank you, because I, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're, uh, you're, you're shaking up the industry. You're not just doing the same old, same old. You're a disruptor. I love the word disruptor. I think all inventors are disruptors. And uh, there's a lot of naysayers out there, a lot of people that are going to say you're crazy. That's not a good idea. And then <laughs> you develop a great company. You're like, oh, you know what? wasn't such a bad idea after all, was it? You know, I- so it's just I want to inspire people to listen and know it is possible. The shoe industry is very, very difficult, as we discussed but it can be done if you're driven and you're motivated and you're passionate and your heart's in the right place.
1: And you have a great product. Let's, let's not leave that out. And, and I will confess that at the, at the end of every year, I do email a handful of people who doubted us in the past and go, just wanted to let you know how it's going. Um, and uh, most of them don't reply, which I find very entertaining.
0: Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> They're just jealous at this point. They're like, damn, I should have got on, on board a long time ago.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, Stephen, I wish you all the best. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Happy holidays. I hope you have a record-breaking December. And uh, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure, Dave. Thanks so much. My pleasure. And you listen to another episode of the Perky Collar Radio Show. Have a great day, everyone. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right. Over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the perky collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top, adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt, ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website's perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in Elephant, R as in Robert, K's and kangaroo, Y's and yo-yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's PerkyLLC.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as a droopy, saggy dress shirt collar. The pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still pop- properly, it unfolds, it falls down. The shirt that keeps coming untucked. Collar stays that keep curling on you. And more and more issues with your belt. Cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at perkyllc.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories. Bow ties, you name it. From feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out perkyllc.com for all these great fashion accessories and innovative solutions.